Is LeVar Ball good for the game? What will Hornacek's offense look like this year? What changes would we make with the NBA rules? The only question left is, say it with me, you win. Sports fans, Coach Nick here, and welcome to the B-Ball Breakdown Podcast slash Live Periscope Show. As always, I'm joined by Dave Dufour, uh, and it is a Monday in the middle of the uh, offseason, Dave. Yeah, we're in the doldrums. Yeah, we're scrounging here for stuff that's... I know we're not going to talk about uh, what's going on in the middle of the country near the Cuyahoga River. Is that the (laughs) right river? Uh, I don't know. I totally made that up. I was there. I don't even yeah. know. But anyway, that place in that place with the it's round in the middle or round on the sides and high in the middle. Uh, we're not going to talk about that mm. or anything like that. So we have to get into something else. Well, there's uh, nothing. There's no news yes. on that front. You know, right. so like people still milking that for stuff. Uh, I, I don't get it. Yeah, there's nothing to be milked. I mean, I don't even want to talk about it. So let's move on to some interesting news we've had over the last couple of weeks, which is the LeVar Ball situation. Uh, a guy who is uh, kind of making a nonsense of the AAU system itself by yanking his team off the floor multiple times. Uh, Dave, I don't think that you've ever taken taken your team off the court, have you? No, I no, I've certainly been in a position where I've felt like doing that, um, but that's a terrible example to set for your for your players. Uh, the AAU system is already kind of a sham and a joke anyway. You know, I mean the coaches standing on the court they make a big show of themselves mm-hmm. um there's the games themselves which if anyone watched the uh the chino hills versus whoever whatever zion williamson's team is uh you know it, it's a joke it's a bit of a joke and, and like i completely agree with kobe on this and i love the idea that kobe is the guy who's trying to fix youth basketball i think it's great um but what lavar is doing right now and and particularly in this instance where uh he had adidas change referees mid-game, and, and he's he's really taking advantage of the position that he's in, which, you know, hey, to his credit, he's gotten himself there, um, and it's up to Adidas to stand up to him, but uh, it's not a good look. I mean, as a coach, and Nick, you and I, we kind of feel the same way on this. Like, we're trying to teach these guys and girls that we're, you know, that we're coaching how to be normal, functioning adults and not assholes. And right. I argue that LeVar is kind of doing the opposite. You know, he, he's really teaching his his and his own kids to be dickheads. Well, and here's the thing. I, I, let me say this about about uh, Lonzo Ball. As, as far as I can tell, and anyone I've ever talked to about him and looked, just observed him around, he is a very humble, you know, quiet guy who isn't like that would be the issue I would think with the Lakers is if he was also coming in there very brash and and just trying to take over everything. And he's and doesn't play that way either. So it's almost remarkable, or maybe it even makes sense that the dad is like that, and a lot of times the kids end up being like the opposite of the parents, right? Oh, I don't want to be that way. So so I get it now, but but. We are seeing so. First of all, the middle brother is completely like just lost, right? I haven't heard anything about him. I don't know if he's even playing at this point, right? All I see is the is Lamelo, um, and that is an interesting thing. I've heard some coaches who were watching him the last couple of weeks. It's like the kid doesn't really play hard. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, he is 15 years old. Um, he has he has had success. Now, I, I'm not one of these people that's like, well, he's 15, he gets a pass. I, because, look, he's a prospect. I'm going to treat him as a prospect. I'm not going to comment on, you know, off-the-court stuff. I'm going to talk about how he plays on the basketball court. That's all I care about. Like, to me, that's fair game. As long as your criticism is about 
basketball. I don't care about the other stuff. Don't talk to me about his haircut, you know, like that kind of stuff. Um, but on the basketball court, when you watch him, and I've watched a lot of prep players, and he comes across like a guy who's never really been challenged, which is probably true, right? He's always probably always been one of the better guys on the court. He doesn't play hard. He's a little bit nonchalant, a little too cool for school. And so those guys, I, I just think they have a hard time making it. You know, Lonzo didn't play that way. You know, I, I've seen enough tape of Lonzo when he was in AAU in high school. He didn't have that air of, you know, I'll do what I want. And and obviously the shot selection has is, is <laughs> been well derided for good reason. You know, I mean, he, he scored 36 the other night on 47 shots. Yeah. And he doesn't really get much below the three-point lines. It's weird. He just sort of goes in between those, which is how I play, <laughs> if I ever play uh, pick up now. So, uh, so that's, that is an issue. But so, you know, what, what we, we had the first incident recently, which was where he, he, got, he got fed up with the refereeing and just yanked the team wholesale off the floor at the end of the game. They were winning. Ended up being a forfeit. Now, I know the wins and losses don't mean anything to anybody in these situations. It doesn't really matter. But... Um, you know that that was kind of strange, but then I think what, the, what really rubs us wrong is is what happened just even more recently the other day with the uh, with the female referee. So just fill me right. in, in case I'm missing any details about what happened there. Well, prior to the game, Adidas had kind of instructed the referees to not give a technical foul to to Lavar, and and there's a lot of reasons for this. You know, the shoe game is very political, and Adidas wants to sign Lonzo. Like, let's just be clear about this. And, and and there is some suspicion that that has affected the way that Adidas has handled these uprising events with LeVar Ball. I mean, he's a star. He's a draw. They, they had a, they had so many – they had a million people watching in a, a crappy AAU game in July – on Facebook Live, and they had the arena sold out with so many people outside that it was a security risk for LeBron James. I like th- this is Le- Levar. Say what you will about his attitude and all this other stuff, but his marketing, like it's hard to argue with. Like he he is effective there. But if if you're having referees basically treat you differently, okay, and if Adidas is instructing them to treat you differently. And then when they treat you in a way that you don't like, Adidas is pulling the referees. There's, there's a problem. Like this is no longer a competition; it's an exhibition, if that. And so, if, I think if I was the other teams, I wouldn't. I would refuse to play. Interesting. Now, yeah, I mean that also there, the 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 comments that Lavar Ball ended up having were very. There was a lot of um, you know code in there. Uh, there was. As far as, you know, sort of for women. And it, it definitely reeked of, like, she doesn't know the game. She shouldn't be out here, this and that, whatever. But the, And the this is a, that, she's what? a Division One referee. Yeah, I mean, obviously she's a, she doesn't yeah. know that. He doesn't, must not know that. Yeah, and, and, you know, this has been something with him that we've seen, you know, before now. This is not the first woman that he's disrespected in this way. You know, this coded language and, and just, you know, the stay in your lane stuff. Like, and and I was one of the people that even said with uh, with the the lady from Fox whose name I can't remember. Um, well, Kelly? you know, no, no, the one that works with uh, Cowherd. Um, oh, oh, yeah. The, where the stay in your lane came from. I even said, well, look, when you when you look at what she said about him and and about you know how he raises his kids. Okay, I get it. Maybe it's not sexist. There there was. There was definitely like now in hindsight, it's like, well, no, he's there's, there's a pattern that one that one was sort of an aberration 
uh, and an exception. Uh, Chris, Christine Leahy, as they just uh, tell me in the chat. I, I just was blanking on her name. But uh, there, there definitely is a pattern here, and, and it's, it's inexcusable. And especially you're dealing with people that – these are professionals. Like they're not – this is not like the, the old guy at the high school gym refing your game. This is a Division One, co- like a college referee does this professionally. Just LeVar needs to stay in his lane. Right. Yeah. I mean, th- right. There isn't even a lane that LeVar is in, it feels like. Right. He's, he's you know, I don't even know, you know. He's but- not a coach. He's not a coach in any respect of the word. I mean, a coach, like, should be setting an example for his players. And, and, and that's just not what he's doing. Right. Oh, okay. Well, you know what? We could talk a little bit about the other video that got released this weekend uh, at the wedding. Uh, who I don't even know whose wedding it was. It had to be an NBA player's wedding. Where we had a little bit of uh, Steph Curry dancing uh, alongside Kyrie Irving. Uh, just a quick, quick reaction to that as we saw that. Uh, someone just mentioned it on uh, Periscope. Uh, I mean, that's fun. I think that's fun. And, and I think anybody who acts like it's not fun uh, needs to pull the stick out of their rear end. Right. I mean, you know, but there's something seriously petty going on right now at this point. We've had uh, LeBron James uh, in, uh, you know, for his whole Halloween celebration with like, you sure. know, Tussauds and Steph dead, whatever. And they well, it started. It started yeah. right after the finals with the Ultimate Warrior shirt. Oh yeah, right. I forgot what that was. That yeah. who was the Ultimate Warrior, LeBron. Yeah, Le- LeBron was wearing the Ultimate Warrior shirt, and then you know, I mean, it's I, that stuff is fun to me. Like you love this too, right? Oh, I, I, well, you know, I like, for some reason, it's like, you know, LeBron tends to be the bully just simply because he's 6'8 and 300 pounds, whatever he is. <laughs> right, right. And so, and Steph is like the weakling who's getting the sand kicked in his face. So, when you get a chance to, you know, make a point like that, I don't know, I kind of, I probably side with Steph a little bit more just because, you know, it's like, that's, you know, I like the underdog. So, but I, I it really was fascinating was that Kyrie was there. Amidst, oh crap! We now nah, we said it. God damn it! All right, we didn't want to say even his name, did we? <laughs> yeah, it's okay. <sighs> it's okay. This is fine. All right. Well, you fine. know, but so that got me thinking. Like, gosh, can can how did how did they get him? <laughs> can you imagine yeah. Steph and Kyrie in the same team? Uh, no, I couldn't. Um, but so this is to me, this is fun, right? Like, this is one of the things that makes the NBA so much fun is that we we get to know these guys personally a little bit. I will say this, and this is advice I give to my players. And so for anybody listening that that might be younger or whatever, and Nick, you and I have have learned this and we didn't have to deal with this when we were, you know, kids. Don't trust people that pull their phones out the second something fun is happening. Yeah. Right. Like there is a there's a real thing where these these players don't get to have private fun moments like this should have just been something that the people at the wedding knew about. Yeah. And instead, it's out on Instagram or, you know, it's uh, Snapchat or wherever it was. And now we all get you know, now we're all in on the joke, so to speak. And, And, you know, like I sort of I feel bad for these guys for never having a private like they don't have inside jokes because there's always someone there filming and putting it out, you know, and, and I just think that that I hate. I love this. Like, I think it's fun. And they are obviously having fun. And I, I hope LeBron comes back with something because, you know, let's keep it light. Um, but, yeah. yeah but no. but what, what do you make about these players, you know, hanging out like that in the offseason? Like, they, you know, they, we didn't used to do that in the past. It oh, does. That's probably a lie. But, like, yeah. what do you make about these two arch rivals who are supposed to be at each other's throats, like, you know, slamming, doing shots and, and partying at a wedding? It's basketball. It's not blood sport. You know, I, I, I don't 
I don't have a problem with these guys being friends or friendly. You know, like, I mean, I always wanted to kick my friend's ass more than people I didn't know. Like when I played against them, like I had friends that I played AAU with guys and we played at different schools, you know? And so when I played against those Uh, guys that I, that I practiced with, I went at them harder, you know, if that was possible, because I was going at everybody really hard, but I I just don't, I, I I don't have a problem with it. I think it's, I think it's better when you have a game that's friendly, you know, imagine Johnson and Isaiah Thomas were friends and nobody complained about that. Oh yeah, yeah. I tortured my best friend Andy. Uh, he was a really good player, like a D one player, and we used to, I, I would guard him. He was like six five too, and I used to just we used to just go at each other, and we had no problem hanging out. So yeah, you're right. That's that's not much. I don't think that's an issue, interestingly enough. But you know what? You know what's you know what's we've missed in this whole thing with this whole video and the and the and the wedding and stuff. What no one's noticed was that Steph Curry actually was clean shaven again. Oh wait, I didn't notice that either. How did yeah. you? Wow, really that's. That's and, <laughs> and it's almost as if, you know, he uses Harry's razors to, to shave, wouldn't you say? Well, you know, Harry's razors is the best shave I've ever had. Hands down. It is. Yeah. I mean, and I shave my head on a daily basis, and it is by far the smoothest shave I've ever gotten. Uh, I'm not surprised because the steel is German, and we all know German engineering is the peak, Right. Right. Just like they drove all the uh, English troops back in Dunkirk, like I saw last night, uh, they they are very they are very precise with the way they uh, uh, they make their blades. And you know, my favorite part about Harry's is the uh, the handle. For some reason, it doesn't like it's not even like heavier or whatever, but it's just like a nice balance to it that really helps me shave. I, you know, really shave. I, that's my favorite part of it. To me, it's the, it's the smooth shave. I mean, I think the blades are just so impressive. And I've used Merker uh, razors, which are world renowned for their you know, their sharpness and, and quality. And to me, I, 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 like I told you before we started the podcast and this is for real, I prefer the Harry's razors to those. I'm actually, I'm, I'm getting low and I need to go buy some more. So yeah, right. We'll have them again. Hey, Harry's send us some more free razors. And if you go to harrys.com slash coach Nick, you can get their free trial shave set. Uh, and they just got to pay for shipping, and they'll take care of everything else. And that's, that set's really awesome. It takes care of you for a long time. You get, like, four blades in there and a beautiful uh, handle uh, and shaving cream uh, gel. Uh, the gel, by the way, is really nice, too. In fact, it's my, awesome. my family keeps stealing it from me. My daughter keeps stealing it from me. It's really annoying. My wife has done the same. Yeah, it's good stuff. I actually like the, the aftershave lotion is really nice, too. It's got a great... Great scent, but also feels great. So. Yeah, no, that too. I love that as well. So um, definitely head over to harrys.com slash Coach Nick. Get your free trial offer today. Uh, it, all, all you have to do is cover the shipping costs, and uh, you will be happy. You will be as clean-shaven as someone like Steph Curry, and that is certainly the first step toward developing a great jump shot. <laughs> right? You got to look like – you got to look apart, right? Come on, think yeah, about it. Well, Who's had a big – oh, I guess Harden's the only guy I could think of. He's not even like a really like a shooter. Who are hey, those hey, shooters hey. that, you know, knocked down that had beards? Nobody. Me. You. Okay. Me. That's who, it. Who on TV that we watch? Uh, who's got- James Harden. You know, James Harden is a good shooter. Uh, this is one of those things where we look at the, the hole, right, and, and we see, uh, well, he's not that great, but we take out the fact that he's shooting more contested shots than anybody right. else. And, yeah. and that's going to get easier. Hey, speaking of which, guess who got to play together yesterday? Um... Uh, well, uh, Michael and Scotty. Well, Michael and Scotty at, at Michael's camp uh, mm-hmm. were on the court together, and that was pretty cool. But Chris Paul and James Harden played at the Drew League together yesterday. Oh, yes. Has there, was there any video released on that? 
Yeah, Ramona Shelburne was actually putting out uh, clips here and there. Right. Um, this is how it sad was, it is. ESPN is literally going down there and covering it like it's an NBA game. Well, you know, again, man, it's a dead time of year. I was going to drive out to L.A. and, and come, but my wife, uh, my wife shut that down. Well, She's I like, would have no. gone. If you, I, well, what day? Was it Saturday? It was Sunday. Uh, we could have gotten some VIP treatment, though. Maybe I I know a couple guys down there, but you know how hard that is. Uh, And I've been there before when it's like that for those guys. It's Mm -hmm. like you got even if you get there early, it's like you might not even have uh, a chance to get in there. But man, I got to keep my my uh, my eye on that because I'm going out of town next week. But if it happens anytime between the next between now and Sunday or Monday, I got to get down there and check it out. But I um, would guess that we won't see that again. Uh, And Russ was gonna play, but but remember, Russ still hasn't signed that extension. So I think Russ is. Lay, gonna lay low. Apparently, he was at Disneyland instead. Oh. Well, I don't know. I, by the way, I don't think I don't think that Russ is gonna sign the extension. Do you? I don't. So I don't. Yeah, it's yeah, gonna. I see, that Drew was packed before be a, they played. Right, you had to get there yeah. like when as soon as it opens to get in there. So, uh, you know, can we talk about the Drew for a minute? You've been right. Oh yeah. Okay. One of the best basketball environments I've ever been in. It reminds me so much of when I was a kid playing and, and being on the East Coast and you would have those tournaments on a Saturday and it's just the gym is packed and it's fun. Like the environment's so much fun. People are super involved. Um, you know, like JaVale, JaVale McGee, who's one of our favorite guys, just as a, a dude, right? Like, I mean, I think, I think we can all agree he's probably one of the nicest guys in the league. Um, and he's out there with his jug and he's coaching and it's, it's a good time. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's it's a uh, the, the announcer is into it and like kind of gets everybody going as well in a in a in a unique way. So uh, yeah, Drew League is a, is a is a unique experience and also a throwback. It does remind me, yeah, of kind of like something that we used to do back in the day. You'd have that even more often. So uh, and you get to see the NBA players. So um, it is interesting. I mean, I remember Andre Drummond playing last year and watching them and just like. Just all right, seeing all the issues that we see now, it's sort of almost magnified because he should be completely dominating. We should see like better moves and him scoring better, and yet, like you still see hand issues and like you know footwork issues. It's really uh, you know there's good enough players there that you got to still bring it. Um, yeah. So well, yeah, that place is perfect for a guy like Kenneth Fareed, who's just a super athlete. Uh, I think he tried to he tried to catch like 15 lobs in a game. It was it was amazing. Yeah, it was awesome. It was so yeah. much fun. So highly recommend. If you can make a trip to L.A. during the summer, um, first of all, L.A. is great. Food is amazing. But definitely go to a game at the Drew. It, it was yes. one of the best basketball experiences of my life. This podcast is not brought to you by the Drew League. It uh, is not. So maybe soon, maybe one day. Um, well, you know, here's an interesting uh, quickie that we got thrown out there from uh, Belly Jador Albi. Tony Allen to the Cavs. Uh, I haven't heard that. Uh, have you? Uh, I heard it sort of like at the beginning of the summer where people expect him to sign a minimum deal. Um, I mean, it makes a lot of sense for them because they can actually stand to lose some offense for defense. Uh, but I, will it happen? I don't know. You know, does Tony Allen at this point in his career, does he want to go somewhere like that? Or would he rather go and, you know, maybe reunite with Dave Yeager again, you know, and go, uh, go to Sacramento, right? Which, well, the Kings can't, don't have any more space, do they? They could sign him to a minimum. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, and you know, and that's the other thing is uh, the, the Cavs are the same way. They they have to, they'd be a minimum, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. He'd be a minimum deal with the Cavs yeah. for sure. I mean, and, you know, yeah. I'm not against it. Um, I think Tony Allen's still a serviceable player, and if you can get him at the minimum, that's a valuable contract. My my biggest issue is just you know what are the Cavs doing? Like right now, they seem a little rudderless and um, you know without direction. 
And we need to kind of see what they're doing. I, I, I would assume all of their focus is on what they're doing with the man who will not be named. Right. Uh, yeah, that, and that's true. And, and then and they, as it should be, um, you know, and maybe I don't know. You think they can maybe uh, I don't want to talk about it. All right. So let's move on. I got, I got some questions from Twitter. Let's go over there. Uh, I grabbed some. I like them even. Uh, so we have here. All right, come on, TweetDeck, stop spinning. All right, how about this? Robert Currents asks, how will Hornacek's offense be different this year? Uh, I would expect to see plenty of pick and roll. I don't really know. I mean, I, I'm, I'm guessing it's going to look more like that Phoenix offense, although he doesn't really have the guards for it. So it's going to be tricky because he's got, you know, this personnel that doesn't really do much. I mean, Tim Hardaway Jr. is probably going to be heavily featured. I expect him to... Take a lot of shots. Um, Porzingis hopefully can you know can see some development, but yeah, yeah, I don't know. Well, you know, the weird thing was they were still running the triangle in the uh, in, in Orlando, and was, that was after Phil was was ousted. So I don't know what they're going to do. Are they going to throw some of those sets still out there and, and run them? We'll have to wait and see. You know, in the preseason or whatever they're going to run, but um, I would imagine, yeah, they're going to get back to a little bit more of like I would hope they still do some high post entry stuff that like they did in Phoenix and dribble handoff into into uh, uh, pick and roll. You know, that that all was good stuff that they got um, in Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Although at some point, let's say it doesn't go well this year, and then whatever, we got to figure like was that an anomaly that one year that Hornacek had where they all overachieved? Yeah, I mean, I, I actually would think that Hornacek is probably on a on a short leash. And, 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 you know, again, you and I talked about this a lot last year. Like, no one got fired. No, right. no coaches got fired. Um, and we don't root for that at all. But I'm just looking at, like, reading the tea leaves, right? Yeah. Phil Jackson's out. Got a new guy in. I, I just think that Hornacek's going to be on a short leash. And if things aren't going well by the trade deadline, I wouldn't be surprised if we have someone new in there. So if I'm Hornacek, I'm throwing – everything at him I, I mean i'm i'm bringing out as many dribble hand, i'm trying to put porzingis in as many dribble handoff situations i want the ball in his hand as much as possible i want to let him operate from the elbow um he's not as good of a passer as Jokic, but i think his shooting is better and his off the dribble game is a little bit better like so attacking a closeout or whatever right. so i want to put the ball in his hands and if i'm gonna sink i'm gonna sink with my best player yeah and you gotta also play him with the five most of the time He's got to be a five. And, and so part of that is now that Phil's out, I think that they will just play him at a five. You know, I mean, Rambus isn't there to play him at the three. <laughs> right. So, yeah. Well, um, and by the way, again, the, those positions are interchangeable. So we're talking about more like about defense in theory, right? Right. Although what you're also talking about is, is like who is the other uh, team going to guard you with? And that's sort of part of it as well. So they're all interchangeable. They're all, they all are connected in a way. So. Uh, I, I, you know, either way. Well, that hopefully we see that where they the other team is forced to put their center on him, and that would be the way that they can, you know, really maximize. Because I'm telling you, I love when he when he brings up the middle, uh, brings up the rear on that uh, catch to the top and just shoots that three. Uh, yeah, that's a really oh, good shot. He should be getting three of those uh, a game. Well, you know, all right, so think about the way that San Antonio used to use Boris Diaw. When okay. he, now Boris Diaw at the four, right? But he was always the trail man. And he got so many of those just straight-ahead threes as a trail guy. There's no reason why Porzingis shouldn't get, like, four of those a game. Right. There's just no reason whatsoever. Absolutely. And, and, and what it does is even if they start stepping up and guarding that, again, he can attack closeout. But also you're bringing his, the big, his man, you're bringing him out of the paint. 
Right. And so, yeah, there's just no excuse for it. And, and again, at some point, it's going to be Hornacek's fault, right? Not you can't just blame it all on Phil. You get, you know, you got to be able to come up with stuff like that. This is stuff that works even in a triangle, right? right. And, then, and by the way, of- there are plenty of opportunities for him to post up as well. He should get plenty of post ups too. In fact, if they ever do, should you know, put him down the four or even the three, then yeah, post him up on those, and then they have a lot, a big advantage down there too. So um, I, I feel like yeah, there, there's a lot of uh, opportunities here to make it really fun and really flexible. So it's a real question of whether or not Hornacek is going to do that. And by the way, I would almost say he's got a little bit longer leash because he was so hampered the last several years by you know by the triangle and like them making him run it um, in a way that I would think he'd get at least a year. But you know, New York is funny that way, and and. Their team isn't very good, so they're going to have a right. They're they're really going to struggle as it is, right? They're good. Yeah, they're not going to be good. And Mello is most likely gone. Um, I, I if I'm New York, I'm trying to convince Mello to stay because I actually think Mello's still a good player. But um, I, and I will throw this out there uh, to you know James Dolan if he's listening. Uh, Nick and I will gladly coach the Knicks. Yeah, gladly. I so. would even run a triangle <laughs> if they if they whatever whatever it takes. Um, yeah. You know. I don't know. Uh, I got another question here uh, from right. Demorizi Udi. He, well, actually, it's not a question. It's a statement, so we can fill it in for him. There's at least five coaches on the hot seat. Are there? At least five? Oh, sure. I mean, you know, there's always a bunch of guys. I, I think, I think uh, you know, obviously Hornacek. Your I friend of mine. Ho- yep. I think Hoiberg, most likely, will be on the hot yeah. seat a little bit. Yeah. Uh, Alvin Gentry. Deservedly or not, right? Because right. coaches, coaches take the axe for yeah. front office failures. Well, yeah, we're missing um, the first guy on the list. Wait, uh, your Ooh. friend and mine, Dwayne Casey. Oh, Dwayne, yes, Dwayne Casey. He's got to be top of the list, wouldn't you say? It, um, I'm not sure because I think the the Raptors are still going to be pretty good. I think they're I know, gonna be but pretty like good. they're going to be pretty good for the last three, four years, and not, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I, I well, don't know. I and, feel and, like he's every year he's in the hot seat. And with Masai's statements about culture change and things like that, yes. Uh, so, but yeah, I agree with you. He is on. He is on the hot seat right, a little that's, bit. I, that four. That's four. Um, Earl Watson in Phoenix. Uh, although I, I think that if you're gonna, if you're going young, you need to stay the course with the guy. Let him. You know, I mean, the guy's respected around the league. Whether he's a good coach or not, that's debatable. But um, let's see who else. Who else would be on the hot seat? I mean, maybe Frank Vogel in Orlando if they're going to be impatient. Um, yeah, uh, Orlando is mean, a I strange don't... place, man. For, uh, for a lot of yeah. even just as a place to go visit, it's a strange place. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, but that's what about uh, Budenholzer? Uh, no, I think Bud is okay. Uh, okay. I, I think it's a, it's a, it's actually feels like a pretty good time to be a coach right now. What about Stan? Um, <sighs> now that's interesting, seems... right? What? Yeah, because yeah, he's he's. That's a double failure thing, right? Like he, right. he hasn't been doing great as a coach, and then his front office stuff has been bad. Right. Which most people are not good at both. Right. I mean, Doc hasn't been good. Stan hasn't been been good. Bud wasn't good, and now he's not running the front office. Um. Yeah, that's a tricky one. You you do you think we're going to see? Are they going to give anyone else that that position where they're coach and GM? Do you think they're going to do that anymore? I, I would sound like it's been it has you know it, no I, right it really hasn't you know worked really uh, you, you know we can't consider the Spurs that way right because RC is, is the GM right, right. Not, and that, and that's a, such a unique situation right. uh, according like, to by the way is Doc on the uh, on the hot seat I think he is a little bit but according to friend of the show Duncan Smith uh, editor at Piston Powered 
Um, Stan is fine. He's fine. That means he's gone, right? Well, I don't think that means he's gone, but I think that means that there there are some concerns. Sean Spicer was fine 24 hours before he was gone, so I'll throw that out there. Um, And and by the way, let me just throw that out there. Whenever you hear a prospective free agent or a guy coming up to free agency (laughs) who doesn't say explicitly, I am going to be here for the rest of my career, I'm going to sign that contract, then he's probably gone. And I feel like these fans will tend to cling on to the the little nugget of whatever they're trying to say about, oh, I love the city, it's a great place, I want to whatever. No. Unless they're saying, I love it here, I'm going to sign that contract when it comes up, when it's put in front of me, then they're leaving. hang on. But didn't Will Marcus Aldridge do that? Didn't Will Marcus Aldridge say, you know, I want to go down as the greatest trailblazer in the history of the franchise? I in want that to be last the last year. Did he say that? Yes, he did. So, you know, just remember, people are going to say things that they that they think people want to hear, no matter what. This is a you player do it on my show every every week. Do it all the time. I tell you all the time things that I think you want to hear. Right. Um, Hot take, know. Dave. That's oh, get, get out of here. So ridiculous. Uh, apparently, it was a hot take that uh, that I said Rodney Hood could potentially score 25 points a game. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't think that that's that crazy. Do you, are you with me? Like, now, I'm not saying he's going to. I'm saying the potential's there. He's going to get yeah. more touches, more I, I, usage. Yeah. No, I, I feel like it was going to be more like the, the Harrison Barnes trajectory where he gets like 20 this year or whatever. But, like, you know, and it's up proving that he's a legitimate score top I mean you, you score 20 yeah. a game in the league that's a top 20 right in the, in the Absolutely. top 20 score yeah so I think that he can probably get there and you know what you know that 20 is 21 right 21 is 21 and a half like you know now you're getting in that realm of 25 whatever I, I I'm with you listen how's I, the, I think Rodney how's his free throw that, but you know how's his free throw rate because I think that that to me that I mean we could talk a little bit about like what makes a good score or a good score I think free throw rate is so important for these guys. I think that if they can get to the line as a young scorer, then then they're obviously it's easier for them to score. I mean, that's like a dumb thing to say. It's so obvious. Uh, his free throw rate. So it actually was pretty low last year. I yeah. think I think we'll see that improve because he should have the ball in his hands. We have, what's, what was Hayward's free throw rate? Can you look that up real quickly? Yeah, I will. Because uh, I, I wonder if it's a function of their offense. I feel like they got a lot of movement on perimeter. I don't know if they're always generating a ton of free throws. I mean, I could look at the team itself real quick while you're doing that and see what they rank. Uh, uh, he was a .371, and Hood was at one, .173. So, again, that, that'd be a huge improvement. If Hood could just get to that level, um, then yeah. that would be a big deal. But Well, translate anyway. to me, I don't, I, you know, for our listeners as well, how many, like, what does that mean? Like, for Hayward, um, how I'll, many I'll tell you, uh, let's, free throws I'll do per game free throws. That's what I was going to do. I'll do free throws per game. Uh, he did. He had nine a game, which is really good. I mean, that's he was hitting seven and a half free throws a game. So that's seven and a half free points a game. Okay. Yeah. And let's see. Oh, Rodney Hood. All right. And unfortunately, the damn media site is now refusing to give me last year's uh, stats again. Like it, sometimes it does. It doesn't. All right. So I wanted to look at where the the Jazz ranked in free throw attempts per game, even just like something basic like that. Um, I could probably do that on B-ball rap, but either way. So that's a good question. And, yeah, you're right. It's going to be have to do a lot more of that, being more aggressive on offense, generating more free throws. So, you know, we'll see. But, yeah, I don't think it was that hot of a take, but it was okay, uh, certainly yeah. people were upset about it. Yeah, it's, it's just a weird thing to be upset about. I mean, yeah. 25 doesn't mean the guy is definitely going to score 25 points. This is not a prediction. I said that I feel like he could be a 25-point-per-game scorer this year. 
Yeah. Right. No, like if yeah. this is factoring in a leap and more touches and, and all this other stuff. Um, sure. I, I don't think it's that crazy. Well, I uh, got a couple of, um, uh, I mean, we, you know, we can wrap up here in a minute, but you want to answer us a couple more questions? Yeah, let's do it. Do you grab anything that you like? Cause I have a few, but anything you saw? Uh, I have one right here and this is actually a good one for you. Um, what is the first change you would, this is from Atom Skimrov 93 on Twitter. And I know I screwed that up. Um, What's the first change you would make to the NBA if you were Adam Silver? So if you could just uh, – I'm going to change this question a little bit. But if you could make a blanket rule change without having to go through the competition committee, what would be the first change you'd make? I'd get rid of conferences. So you wouldn't actually change the game itself? Oh. What about the um, first rule change you would make? I, I'm with you on the conference thing. Okay, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, w- I would just have, you know, 1 through 30. But um, as far as rules changes um, – you know, I don't know. You know what thing I kind of think would be really interesting? I don't, I, I, it could make it a debacle, but uh, maybe go by the FIBA rule for goaltending. I love it. I love that idea. I, I actually think that um, for, for college basketball, they should just adopt the FIBA rules across the board. It would make okay. the game so much better. And well, by the way, that, that's the other thing we need. We need a complete and worldwide um, regulation of the rules or whatever that word is, the normalization. Yeah. They're all the same. We need yeah. there's too many different you know rules for different levels, but um, yeah, because wouldn't that make it really crazy with the athletes they have in the NBA? Um, you know, it would just like that ball's on the rim after it hits, and then you could just knock it off. Like that would just be crazy. Yeah, it'd be it'd be amazing. Um, but so the, to to add on to that, I want no dead ball timeouts. I would like to eliminate the dead ball timeout. Um, I don't mind advancing the ball in the last two minutes. I, I don't mind that. That's okay. I actually think I wouldn't hate it if FIBA adopted that. Trust me. When I was coaching over there, it was it would have helped me out quite a bit in end of game situations to be able to advance the ball with a timeout. Um, but I would love to see them get rid of the live ball timeout. And college basketball, you know, women's college basketball got rid of it last year, and it improved the flow of the game. And if you think about college and high school basketball here in the states. There's so much pressing. There's so many, so much trapping, and all you do by having that live ball timeout is you reward or you take away the reward from the defense for playing good defense. You allow the offense to get themselves into a precarious position and then get a bailout with right. a timeout. And I just think it's, you know, I, I don't like it. I hear you. I, 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 I'm, I'm not going to argue with that, you and that one. I mean, you know, there's a no, the notion of coaching, and you get to have, you know, that that ability to do that because you might not always want to call a live ball timeout now wait a minute if it's like coaching's overrated but three and a half (laughs) in-game coach in-game coaching is so overrated i mean i think that you prepare your your players for the most part before the game and now obviously there's some some scenario stuff that is important but i think that what we and you and i have talked about this in in division one college basketball these guys over coach right there's no question Yes, that that is a problem too. And every play call and every possession is managed, and then they waste the first fifteen seconds doing nothing uh, to design to score. Or that's not everybody, but a lot of teams. It's really frustrating that way. But uh, you know, uh, those are all good suggestions, and certainly things that we that would make the game different and interesting. Um, Let's see here. I I have another question here. Um, Eh, nothing's grabbing me here. How about this one? Westbrook stat projections next year by XI Try. Hmm. I, I actually would not be shocked if we saw something pretty similar to what he just did. Yeah, me too. I feel like, you know, Paul George is going to get his numbers, but I, I don't think it's even related to <laughs> what Russ no. is going to do. 
No, I think Russ just as force of nature is going to kind of do something similar. Actually, I wouldn't be shocked if his shooting numbers go up next year just because he's got more space and another threat. Um, so it should get easier for him. Right. Let's let's see if he allows it to be easier. I think right. that that's that's more what we're looking at. Yeah, and at that level, like when we mentioned Harden earlier and his, his field goal percentage, it really ends up being about shot selection. And that's that's such a huge factor uh, in your shooting percentage. You don't want to play where you're really worried. Like, like I think didn't LeBron do that that one year he went when he shot really well from three where he really just wouldn't shoot it unless he was sort of like wide open, which is not a bad way to do it. But obviously when you're at that level and they need you to be aggressive, you've got to take shots as well. So um, it's not a great way to play where you're just scared of missing and you don't want to take a lot of shots. But uh, certainly the notion of – um, shot selection is just huge with those guys because they are they're going to get their twenty shots anyway. It's just a question of which ones they're going to take. Right, and we actually we were called out in the Periscope chat for complimenting Russell Westbrook. Um, I think if you listen to every episode, you'll find that we actually compliment him a lot. It's just there's a lot of stuff that drives us nuts. Yeah, right, exactly. But He's, there's uh, a lot of players like that though. You, but not quite like him. But yes, uh, there are. Because you know it's and and. The reason is that they're not the level that Russell Westbrook is. Like, Russell Westbrook, even with his flaws, is still a great player. Right. Yes. And it's almost like, can he can he be better? I mean, because it's like, look at the numbers he's putting up, and he's carried his team to, like, you know, heights that we didn't think they're going to get to. So it's almost like, what is it? Is it, is it just aesthetics versus, you know, uh, production? Um I don't know, right? Like, yeah, if he did take better shots and if he did this and that, whatever, like, you know, would they win more games and that's, you know, or not? Like, maybe not, right? I, I don't know. And, and every time I with, doubt like, him. like, battling the fans. Every time I doubt him, he surprises me. Like, I, I really didn't think that that team was going to make the playoffs, and it, it probably shouldn't have, and it was it was almost all Russ. Right. You know, so shout out to Russ. Credit shout to out him. to Russ. Shout out to you. Shout out to the whole everybody else for some really shout great questions. Shout out to Harry's. Shout out to Harry's, uh, to Drew League, anyone else. Um, any other potential sponsors? Uh, yes. Well, another great show. And considering that we uh, we didn't even know what we were going to talk about when we started, I think we uh, we covered some good things. Yeah, I think it was pretty good. Um, and uh, hopefully we we save some stuff for later on in the week. Oh uh, yeah, we'll see. Well, we'll yeah, we'll find out. I got Nate Duncan coming on the show later on on Friday. What? Uh, excitingly enough, yeah. Uh, you know, I just figured why not? You know, uh, you know, bring in some other some new blood for a little bit here. Get another perspective. You know what? I needed a lower voice. Is what I needed. Yeah, you know, yeah. If your voice is lower, then we'd go. We do an extra one. So oh, that's fine. That's we can work fine. On that. um, well, Nate's my. Yeah. Anyhow, all right. Well, stay tuned for all that. We got a great video coming up today about something. Uh, I think we're gonna do the top five underrated players in the NBA. Ooh, who, who that's a say? good one. Uh, well, I mean, Jay Crowder's on every list to me. Oh yeah. Jay Crowder's on every list. Um, right. That's I, my I got, guy. I think Ingles. Uh, yeah, that's a. Uh, that's a decent one. Ingles was one I How about Steph thought would Curry? be good. What? <laughs> How about Steph Curry? Uh, under yeah, he's totally underrated. Like you know, totally you know. Yeah. Um, what do we think about uh, Patrick Patterson? I well, I like Patrick Patterson. You think a he's lot. underrated? Um, I think he's properly rated, most likely. Okay. What we'll we'll talk about this. We'll talk about this off air. Okay. All right. Hey, well, and yeah. By the I way. Got, an intern clamoring uh, to come in the door outside right now, letting me know he's watching it. So I'll let him in in a second. So anyway, uh, awesome show. Uh, thanks for coming on the show with me again, as always, Dave. And uh, don't forget, sports fans, at B-Ball Breakdown, we a channel for a conversation. You in? Are you in, Dave? Yes, I am.